Since the landmark case Federal Election Commission v. Citizens United was decided in 2010, the amount of money clogging the gears of the American democracy has skyrocketed, giving power in elections to the money, rather than the people. Federal law dictates that as long as you aren't officially a candidate or an officeholder, you can coordinate with these powerful political entities with unlimited spending power, known as political action committees or PACs. To really understand the context behind Citizens United and how the American government treats campaign finance law in general, we need to go back, way back, all the way back to my favorite era, Watergate. It's 1972, and America is feeling the effects of inflation, the anxiety of the Cold War, and the war in Vietnam. Then, President Richard Nixon comes along, and people love him. He's making plans to withdraw from Vietnam, he's de-escalating tensions with China and the Soviet Union, he created the EPA, and he established the Federal Election Campaign Act. Remember that one, it'll be important later. He wins his re-election against the Democratic challenger in a landslide election. Things are looking great for the Nixon administration. Then, on June 17th, five burglars get caught trying to wiretap and steal documents from the DNC headquarters in the Watergate Hotel. Nobody seems concerned except for Carl Bernstein and Bob Woodward, two young reporters at the Washington Post. Finally, after months of hard work and publishing articles, Bernstein and Woodward were able to link the Nixon administration and the president himself to the orchestration of the Watergate break-in. But that's not all. Woodward and Bernstein found out that one of the burglars had $25,000 deposited in his bank account by Nixon's re-election committee. There wasn't just a massive cover-up of a politically motivated burglary that involved the president of the United States, though. Nixon ordered wiretaps for reporters, misused the IRS, the FBI, and the CIA, and the chiefs of his little re-election committee, they had extorted millions in dark money from major American companies. To make a long con short, the reason Watergate matters when studying campaign finance law is because everyone needs to know whether or not their presidents are crook, or for that matter, whether any of their elected representatives are crooks. After Watergate, people lost faith in their government. Nixon resigned, and the federal government needed to earn back our trust. Remember the Federal Election Campaign Act that I mentioned earlier? To put it bluntly, it was a huge flop because there was no committee to enforce these new regulations. After Watergate, the American people realized that the regulations the Federal Election Campaign Act put in place were vital, and they needed to be upheld. So, the FEC, or Federal Election Commission, was born. Citizens United is probably in the top 10 of most controversial Supreme Court decisions. The case was decided by the Roberts Court, with on the liberal side, Justices Stevens, Ginsburg, Breyer, Sotomayor, on the conservative side, Roberts, Alito, Scalia, and Thomas, and of course the swing vote, Justice Kennedy, who ultimately sided with conservatives. The notion that super PACs, PACs, and other outside contributors are detached from candidates is what really makes or breaks Citizens United. The conclusion that unregulated money from wealthy sponsors wouldn't be corrupting to our legislators justifies the court's 5-4 to four decision. However, 
None of this would matter if the court agreed with the sentiment afterward echoed by politicians on the campaign trail. I don't care how many ways you try to explain it. Corporations aren't people. people and even aren't protesters people. in the Supreme Court in an extremely rare situation, made even rarer by the fact that video isn't even allowed in the Supreme Court. We have another one. Fast forward to 2015, and things aren't much different legally. Corporations still have their personhood despite public outcry earlier in the decade, and Citizens United, the Occupy movement, etc., cycled out of the media frenzy. Then, in April, a leftist senator from Vermont announces he's throwing his hat in the ring and will be running for president 2016. Bernie Sanders is already an outsider. Some people are saying the campaign will flop. He's a democratic socialist from the Northeast, and if he even makes it to the primary, will be the first Jew to get there. Not only is he a type of candidate no living American has seen before, but he also announces on September 28th he's going to run without PACs and super PACs. He even goes as far to say that if he's elected, he'll nominate justices to the Supreme Court that will overturn Citizens United. Some people thought that this wasn't a good idea. The hardship of running without corporate donors outweighed the benefit of individual donors. This might be true. After all, Bernie Sanders made it to the primary and then lost to Clinton. Despite Sanders losing in 2016, this midterm we've seen 185 Democratic candidates opt out of PACs and rely solely on individuals. Beto O'Rourke is one of these 185. He's pro-choice, pro-renewable energy, pro-kneeling, pro-DACA, and anti-war on drugs. Name a liberal cause, he probably backs it. Despite supporting ideas that people would stereotype Texans as vehemently against, he's running for U.S. Senate in Texas against Ted Cruz, and he's pulling even. Texans will have their first opportunity to turn Texas blue this year since the 90s. A few weeks ago, I returned to my home city, Austin, Texas, to attend a Beto rally and understand why Texan voters are so passionate about Beto. The park where the rally was held was packed. A good chunk of the attendees were there for Willie Nelson's performance, no doubt, but people came in all of their Beto merchandise, ready to cheer on the man they want to lead Texas. There were wild cheers from the massive crowd when O'Rourke expressed his support for reproductive rights, dreamers, and marijuana legalization, but they erupted yelling people power and chanting Beto when he again told them that there were no PACs or corporations involved in his campaign. But it's all people, no PACs. All people, no As 55,000 people cheered for Beto and danced to Willie Nelson, it became clear that Beto being committed to constituents, rather than PACs, was worth it. With supporters as passionate as these, Beto can afford to run on people power alone. Running without PACs, whether it's a good thing or really doesn't make a difference at all, is something voters have started to reward. A vote is a powerful thing. In the end, that's the only way we as citizens can punish political corruption. You're not only voting for a person, but you're also voting for how they run their campaign. 
And as Willie Nelson sang that night, if you don't like who's in there, vote him out. The biggest gun we got is called the ballot box. If you don't like who's in there, vote him out. Vote him out. Vote him out. And when they're gone, we'll sing and dance and shout. This episode of We the People was hosted, recorded, and produced by me, Olivia Hoffman. Our theme music is from the mysterious and wonderful Breakmaster Cylinder, and the music used in this piece is by Lee Rosevere. Our cover art and logo was designed by Sarah Edelstein. Special thanks to Samaya Jimenez-Aham, Politifact, and Oyez, a multimedia judicial archive of the Supreme Court of the United States. And as always, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on We the People. And if it's a bunch of clowns you voted in.